Hey, Savages. Welcome to Greg Medford Show. Greg, with you here from Phoenix, Arizona. As always, we're going to uh, talk about some nuance today, and this is something that there are analogous positions in states across the country, so if you're not here in Arizona, it's okay. This stuff all matters. It's crazy. Is you, if you watch the news and you poke your nose into mainstream media at all, it's almost as if business is as usual. They think everything's as usual. I hear lefties placating the dire situation our country's in right now because they don't understand it. They don't understand energy. They don't understand science. They don't understand mathematics and physics and chemistry. That's why they became liberal arts majors in college because they, they didn't actually do well in statistics mathematics, chemistry, biology, the hard sciences, which are not very left. So it's so funny that the woke brigade that's stolen our country from us, at least they've stolen the steering wheel. They're morons on the hard sciences. The, 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 uh, the derivative that the Enlightenment era uh, is the putting away of mysticism and the embracing of empiricism. And so we have this post-empiricism that's happened. We have science, we have facts, we have numbers, and they what they do is they hunt and peck little bits of information to push their agenda instead of looking at the larger scientific kind of body. It's like only looking at the liver to make a decision about a human being's health or only looking at one. They look at one little component and then they want to put the entire they want to put the entire body in a new direction because of looking at one thing instead of looking at the balance of it all global warming is a perfect example abortion is another perfect example where they get this narrow myopic perspective they pick one little component of it and they try to own the voter they don't actually solve any problems and what we have going on right now is a bunch of politburo leftists children from the Ivy League set of the East Coast, plugged into the White House, and Ron Klain, some shadowy figure behind the scenes, basically running, and Susan Rice maybe, and run, they're running the country with some kooky Marxist agenda based on half-assed science, currying favor with lefties and electric cars. And while they're doing that, they don't understand what's happened with our election. Or they do, and they're so cynical they would rather have it subverted and, and not talk about it. And I feel like all of this is whack-a-mole masturbation if we don't have real elections. What happens when we disenfranchise a group of people? Now, they, they, they yelled at us uh, for four years that Donald Trump was not a legally elected president. He didn't control the system. He worked the system. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about elections today. We're going to talk about Direct democracy versus representative democracy. We're going to talk about the Electoral College a little bit. A lot of people don't understand that, and it, and it infuriates me. It drives me nuts that my fellow Americans don't understand that it's a genius tool to keep the corrupt big cities from making the rest of us peasants to basically four metropolitan areas in this country. 
1783, it was really about making sure uh, New York City uh, and Philadelphia didn't boss around Virginia and Massachusetts. So the exact same paradigm was at play then as is now, and we have to find a way to uh, communicate that across time so that young people and and grown-ups get that now. So we're going to talk today uh, with a candidate who is running for a position that is really kind of at the grassroots fingerprint level of elections in Arizona. And you have analogous uh, counterparts to this uh, position. We have the Maricopa County uh, Board of Supervisors, right? Yes. And uh, and there are officials in your state that may not be called county supervisors. They may have different names like selectmen or uh, uh, municipal something or other. Um, there are analogous I would say, I don't want to say this in a, they are very under the radar elected officials. Most people have no idea who these folks are. A lot of times they're slate voted. Um, they're pl- and and uh, most people don't know who they are. And they have gigantic power and very little accountability because it's so below the radar. So we've got a candidate for one of those positions. This is Gail Golick. Gail, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing fabulous. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So, um, it's a it's a crazy thing. How many uh, board of supervisors are there in Arizona? Well, no, in, Maricopa in, Mar- in Maricopa County, it the district is split up into five districts in Maricopa County, and uh, we represent four point four million people uh, in the state. And give us an idea, kind of what that job is like. So the job really looks at the operational budgets of the major municipalities, whether it be um, public safety, like the jails and justice system, and and then, of course, sanitation. Then you have health and wellness, which, you know, the Board of Supervisors here in Arizona, they they were the ones that masked all all of, you know, everybody. You know, they made these decisions to mask everybody and, and based upon you know, false evidence appearing real, as they say. And um, we also... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying the five Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, they're the ones who made the call on masking up the county? Yes. Okay. And, uh, you know, so even when Scottsdale, for instance, where I'm from, they said, hey, we don't, we no longer want masks, but the county is uh, a high, of higher authority over the city. So these people have a lot of authority. And uh, it we kind of goes municipal, county, and state here in Arizona correct. in the hierarchy of overriding, mm, I don't know, authority. Right. That's right. correct. That's correct. And, and so they also look at parks, recreation, culture, libraries, and then what brought me into this race originally is the elections, the recorder, um, you know, the assessor, all of those, all of those departments. So it's a very important position, and in in truth, I believe they have too much power. Well, I'm actually flabbergasted right now. So they have health sway, they have park, they have financial infrastructure sway. I mean, are they are, are they making decisions about where money goes? Yeah, Department of Transportation. Just ask uh, Karen Fan, Senate President Karen Fan. She got that nice four hundred forty-six million dollar. Her family got that nice four hundred forty-six million dollar contract right after she entered into that 
uh, backdoor agreement where she did not allow anybody in the Senate or anybody in the audit to re, uh, to be a part of this agreement just before the audit report came out. Let me tell you a little story. On September seven, on September seventeenth. She entered into this agreement with uh, the Board of Supervisors, indemnifying them for and saying that they had complied with the subpoena, which indeed they had not complied with subpoena. She did this solely, which is totally unconstitutional, but we have like little justice here. Um, that same week, her family was entering into uh, negotiations with the Department of Transportation on a paving contract with the uh, for I-17 that same week. Coincidentally enough, the same week was when uh, the audit report came out, which was completely watered down, did not include things that they absolutely knew of, like the tens of thousands of counterfeit ballots that they knew about, did not even include that in the audit report that was officially put out. And Why? I would say I have a theory. Because that was the Arizona Senate that put the report out, right? Yes, it was Doug Logan, and uh, we have a we have a guy by the name of, uh, attorney here by the name of Corey Langhofer, and uh, he used to uh, work with Mitt Romney's campaign, coincidentally enough, and I I just I I don't know, all I know is that we've had a lot of cases thrown out for the same reason. Standing, he continues to put cases out there that are say you know with the AZGOP being the plaintiff, and we've come back multiple times. The judges have said, this is an organization. This organization does not have standing, but yet he puts another case forward like it's a you know, song and dance. What kind of case? What do you mean? All of these election cases that, that came up and, and the uh, news media and everybody else like to say, oh, well, th these have already been heard, and they found nothing. We've never been heard. They've all said that there is no standing and there has never been any evidence presented in any of the cases that have been brought forth to the Superior Court in Arizona. So what you're saying is they've they've been um, canceling all of these or they've been throwing out all of these election fraud cases on a technicality that the group bringing them doesn't have the standing to make the case. Correct. Or to m make the accusation right okay right so no one's actually heard any of them and I, I'm confused because I've had a bunch of the Senate members in and talked to them who were part of not the least of which was Sonny Borelli who could talk mm -hmm. about this all day long yes nobody had any really good hard facts they they after I interviewed I'll, I mean, I've had more personal contact directly interviewing senators for over an hour, two hours, in depth. I walked away from the whole thing thinking it was all smoke and mirrors. Well, you're talking to a lady right now who has facts. And there's a reason why uh, senators like Sonny Borelli um, doesn't have facts, because he doesn't open up the USB drive that has the facts that have been presented to him by people like Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. Jovan Hutton Pulitzer was hired by Cyber Ninjas to do the kinematic artifact detection, the paper analysis. And he has provided multiple USB keys with data that, you know, just data mines. And he had it so that you could tell if they actually opened up and read the, the disk. 
they they haven't even accessed the data. They're not even looking at it. I have been fighting. So what you're saying was the Cyber Ninjas issued a, let's call it a paper report, for lack of a better term. And that paper report was read, uh, somehow or another was pre-released to the press, which I don't really understand, that they spun to say, oh, much well, of... I can tell you what happened there. Okay, well, tell us what happened. Because okay. the entire country, these people text me and email me and... And uh, there's so many people like me who are still, like, an annoyed about the election, but it is suppressed at every level. Right. So we have, we have, of course, we all are aware that we have traitors within this country, right? I mean, this is what we're fighting against. We're fighting against um, our own government. And uh, I believe that there are definitely, we have, we have that here in Arizona, and I've been on the forefront of exposing them. And, uh, my, and but... Again, I um, I'll, I will tell you my theories based upon facts. All right. right? So facts facts are um, there. Is, well, let me let me finish the story about Karen Fan. Karen Fan, right after the right now after she was wasn't she running for governor briefly or Karen was Fan she running is, for Karen Fan is the Senate president. She helped get the audit uh, started supposedly with all of the president well actually all the people are what got the audit started yeah. you know but she's the senate president so she she signed off on it was, she, line, was she running for something else and dropped out of it no okay i was no. thinking of somebody else go yes. ahead all right yeah she's been senate president she's re she's resigned she she re she announced her retirement right after her family received that 446 million dollar department of transportation paving contract okay so um the, the audit report was watered down. The and and actually now that you say this, this is the first time I'm actually putting this together. But you said, hey, yeah, it was leaked, and now it makes a little bit more sense. Do you remember right after the uh, right away they were saying, well, the most important thing is that we had the ballot count match the vote count. That was, and, and Biden won. That's what you're saying. It was leaked. You know, that was like the big headline, Biden won. Well, here's some scoop for your listeners that I have. So we had a guy by the name of Randy Pollan. He works, he's, I think he's in charge of like multiple set, uh, treasuries, treasury um, in the GOP. He came in. Well, he was there on the first day of the audit. I have no idea why he was walking around the floor and everything like that. But at the end of the audit, there was all of this scuttlebutt about Ken Bennett, who was the Senate liaison for the audit. And they were saying he was leaking information and all of this stuff. And so they That's when they locked him. him out for a while. Right. They outed him. Right. So, and he was a former, he's a former Arizona state senator, right? Uh, yes. Yes. And secretary of state. And right. he, his claim, he claims he didn't audit you know, and whatever. He got in here as a friend of Karen Fan, And anyway, so he gets in there and he um, he gets kicked out. And I wanted, I, I became a citizen journalist around, you know, throughout this whole process. And so I did an interview and I called Ken and I said, what's going on? And he said, you know, they're taking the ballots and they're bringing them off site to count the ballots as opposed to counting the votes, right? And that was actually my idea. I brought it up. I said, wait a minute. We had no chain of custody coming in. What if there's a challenge, you know, later on and we have less ballots or whatever? Let's count the ballots, too. So anyway, Randy 
Poland comes in and now he's the new guy looking at the ballot counts. And we had a woman uh, by the name of Noelle Roberts who was in charge of counting the ballots. They had a new machine, it was just a tabulator and it just ran through the machine, ran through the machine, ran through the machine and then she would put her initials on it to make sure it came through. Randy Poland came in in between shifts and in between shifts grabbed these two original books a and b and he took them off site and noelle was like freaking out she's like this is the books we need them you know this is the official count she couldn't get a hold of them we got a hold of ken bennett looking for him called multiple people finally she only got one of the two books back and my uh, my thought process is that um, he was cooking the books. That's my thought process. Um, we, I, what I did was I looked at, I got a, uh, a public records request and I looked at the data that they uploaded up to the server and it's not the reconciled version of the books. So what I'm saying is How that- How are there this many people? I mean, your your accusation is basically election fraud of the nth degree and then fraud of the audit pushed forward by Republicans here in Arizona. Yes. So you're saying the audit was completely fraudulent as well. That I, I'm saying it that- It was well-intentioned, run piss poorly. There was no chain of custody, no oversight, and people rigged it. I'm saying the end result when they said that there was a leak, I would imagine that one might have been coming from the, um, you know, from, I can't say it, um, you know, I don't know for sure, but a theory is why did he take those books off? Why did he only return one? And why were there, you want facts, 93,000 less images of ballots than supposed ballots counted. When Jovan Hutton Pulitzer, who did the paper analysis, so for those that don't know about the audit, we we opened up we they opened up a box they put it on a spiral everybody went around it had to match two out of three everybody had to match how many counts were for trump and how many for biden they only looked at that race and then it went directly back into the box again and then it went to the other side of the room and where they did high def image uh, photography of the front and the back of the ballots and then it went directly back into the box the same way it came out. And so Joanne said that there are like 93,000 approximately less images than ballots. So I don't know. Um, we, we also know that when they opened up the boxes, we had 1,675 or 1,575 boxes of ballots. Only 52 of them were sealed properly. The rest of them were all opened. They were supposed to come in batches about 200. Most of them were here and there. There's a guy, there's a guy by the name of Eric Spikine, and you can go to my website, gailgolek.com, G-O-L-E-C, um, G-A-I-L-G-O-L-E-C.com, and you can see a lot of these reports. But Eric Spikine, on September 20th, which the report for the audit was put out on September 24th, he delivered to the Senate a report that said that there were, he evaluated 61 batches of ballots 
And in the 61 batches of ballots, 58 of the 61 had 90% Biden and 10% Trump in a row. The other three had 90% Trump and 10% Biden in a row because they weren't going to just cheat one way. They're going to treat both ways. This is statistically impossible. That information was withheld from the audit on September 24th in that audit report that I uh, that was put out by uh, Doug Logan mm. and the Senate. They knew this. And it was just, if you look at the report, and you can go to um, azsenaterepublicans.com and you can see the audit report there and you'll see it just says that, you know, that it's just informational. It's, you know, the, the severity of this information is just informational. No, it was counterfeit ballots. There were 10 different types of paper in there. They said it was all in vote secure paper. They turned off the, there's a setting on the machine where it's- On the, on the ballot on the, counting on the ballot counting machines that will allow for an override for non-vote secure paper. And uh, they turned it so that it would override and non-vote secure paper was able to be put into the machines. Okay, so let me just unpack this. So the fact that you bring it up means you believe there were a bunch of fraudulent ballots that made their way into drop boxes, presumably around the state of Arizona and in Maricopa County in particular. Thousands of them on fake paper, like the wrong paper. And they were all on boot secure paper, probably done by one source or two sources that were certified or whatever. So to be on the wrong paper would mean it wasn't, the, they weren't the ballots printed by the county. Right, run by collection services, right. Okay. So what you're saying is there was a, con I mean, this is what I have to unpack, and this is what's challenging for me to wrap my brain around. These same fucking morons who were crashing the ship into the rocks were able to run a completely airtight conspiracy that required many, many people, for which there are no witnesses or prosecutions that have come forward of any kind. They were able to pull that off, and then Republicans have the evidence, made a big stink about the whole country watching us review the evidence, and then subverted finding the evidence and del I don't why it doesn't make any sense I, it's bizarre it is bizarre I think um, they understand well there are certain people that know and certain people that don't know I think there's obviously people with good intentions and other people are just um, um, in it for their political power you know I'm not sure I, I don't think you know some of them uh, even understand what's going on but they try to play the game Right. And they're trying to stay in power. Uh, but this is definitely a selection and not an election. And it's been going on for many years. That's the thing that um, you, you've seen 2000 mules, I imagine. At yes. this point. What was your what's your takeaway from it? Did you think it was solid? It's 100 percent. It's a million percent solid. Absolutely. I actually knew about it way before the movie came out because yeah. I've been, you know, doing deep dives into all of this. So absolutely. I mean, I learned, you know, I learned a little bit more, obviously, but no, I, I mean, they're, what they're doing in 2000 mules. I mean, they're, they're holding people's lives and their livelihoods. I mean, even their housing at stake, 
if they don't hand over their vote in southern Arizona. I mean, the cartels are coming and saying, hand over your ballot or you don't get a house. Hand over your ballot or you don't get your money. Hand over your ballot, you don't get your food. I mean, it's that serious. And uh, and as far as the counterfeit ballots go, yeah, there we don't know. But we you can go to my, again, my website. I have a Truth Tellers Town Hall that I did. It was four hours of canvassers, poll, uh, poll watchers, and auditors. And they, you know, they talked about the batches and batches and batches of Biden ballots. They just saw it when they were going through the audit, you know, coming in and out. It was obviously there. And that information was um, not presented to the American people. I have been fighting to get Joe Vaughn's information out to the American people. I'm saying, and I've been on Twitter and, you know, other people too, we're all saying, and Joe Vaughn as well, we're saying he Who, needs- Who's Joe Vaughn? Joe Vaughn Hutton Pulitzer is the, uh, he's a uh, forensic analyst, patent, he created, he is the patent owner of the QR code. Okay. I mean, he's brilliant. Yeah, okay. And uh, he has done this uh, analysis of everything, uh, a deep, deep dive of every ballot like down to the precinct level, um, right down to how many, you know, dead voters voted. I mean, we had we had over six. You, you said something at the beginning about all the multiple different ways that they, they cheated. And there are there's so many different ways that they they've come in to to cheat this and steal. And then they always say, well, it's not enough. Well, OK, because we had six thousand, you know, sixty seven hundred dead voters. Well, that doesn't come that's not more than the 10,000 spread right or something like that right so they're like oh yeah it's not not determinable right right right. so they're like it's this or it's that or this but when you add them all up together it's hundreds of thousands you know i think there has been a it's interesting this is the kind of thing that I've encountered other things in my life where there's no hard facts, but at some point you have enough kind of soft indicators. You know, it's like medical procedures. You ever get a medical test done where they say, hey, this isn't like, if it says no, it may not be an, if if it says yes, it may not be a yes, but if it says no, it's a no. It's a soft, what they call a soft test. It's a soft indicator. So if the test comes back negative, that's a very high probability of accuracy. If it comes back positive, we have to go to this next level of screen because there's other things that, you know what I mean? They, uh, there are these tests that are like, they're screens. I'm getting all of these soft indicators from lots of different areas. And our election was decided by less than 10,000 votes or around 10,000 votes. So it's almost anything can be affecting that, right? Um, well, I don't want to be the party or the side of we just didn't like how the election went. We didn't like the outcome. And I think the press likes to portray us like that because they say, yeah, the Democrats, you know, they cried for, you know, since 2016 about Trump getting elected. And now the Trumpers are all crying. They didn't get elected. You know, he didn't get elected. And I just don't know if it's actually the case. And then the polling was really wrong the whole time the election was going. And then they said the suburban white female voter is the one who abandoned Trump, which is a really convenient story. I just don't know if it's true now. That's the thing that's got me the most annoyed from this entire 2020 fallout is 
I don't believe the press on anything anymore. Well, you, we shouldn't believe, believe the press on anything anymore. I mean, yeah. it is propaganda. I it, used to it, think I was getting some information and I could kind of vet out the, the, the bias. Yeah. And now I'm like, I, there's some collusional conspiracy of information that's being given out right. to control everybody. And and then I hear my older friends say, oh, you know, it's one president goes this way, one president goes that way, one president goes this way. one." And I'm like, it's not that. Something different has happened. Yes, I would agree. It's totally, well, it is different uh, in the fact that, number one, I can, t- I can speak for myself and I can sp- probably speak for a majority of us. This is not a Trump issue. This is an American issue. Right. This is America. We are fighting for our constitutional republic here, and it's being stolen from us in front of us. And we know it because we know President Trump won. We know it. There's just no doubt about it. It was obvious through and through. The propaganda came through just like they did with the with the COVID and the mask on, mask off. It works. It doesn't work. They changed their story all the time to change the narrative. You know, um, it, it's a form of psychological warfare. Then they use the me- the media to to disseminate right yeah, the yeah. information. Um, so there's no doubt about it that we should continue to seek alternative journalism such as yourself and others that are out there that are able to speak the truth on various platforms like frankspeech.com which is a great uh great tools and then rumble of course has been pretty good and you know there's there's a few mediums and where you can really get some truth out there but if you're going to the mainstream media you are most likely being brainwashed you know what's bizarre <laughs> And we're having this conversation, and the largest disseminator of information on planet Earth, we're not allowed to have this conversation. You know, Google is the largest disseminator of information on planet Earth. They aggregate searches and results and are able to steer opinion more than anything at any time in human history ever. They are the force, okay? And we can't have... If you're watching this and you think she's a conspiracy nut, it's I'm I'm clearly and I don't think you are. Um, if you think, but it's easy for the someone centrist or left to hear you talking and think, oh, she's another conspiracy nut job blonde from down in Arizona. They're all nuts down there because that's what I hear from my friends and they're like, what the hell's with all the pretty girls down in Arizona who think the world's upside down? And I go, well, you know, there's a lot of information down here that's not getting disseminated. And people are pissed about it. And uh, it what's crazy to me, and this is a, almost one of the biggest signals that I know something's up. You have a little bit of a conspiratory edge to your conversation so far. And I'm, I'm, I feel like my position right now is slightly skeptical, interested party. Querying, asking, haven't heard proof. What do you know? How do you know that? Seems to me like a really healthy kind of dialogue. Somebody has got a position that's outside the mainstream, that's edgy, and seems to have facts and information, is drawing some heavy conclusions. And then person sitting, you know, citizen journalist-ish, kind of querying, going, what do you mean? Where? How is that happening? Why don't more people know about it? How is it possible we have this level of conspiracy? This seems like a very, very rational and the fact that it, this will be taken off YouTube in two seconds. Yes. 
this won't be allowed. This wouldn't be allowed on Facebook. It wouldn't be allowed on any mainstream large format environment. And if you broke amazing news, you know, let's say you had video that Hunter Biden was, you know, uh, having sex with one of our former elected officials on camera in Arizona and they lit the ballots on fire, it wouldn't get reported. We wouldn't be allowed to. We, we can't. It's bizarre to me that I'm playing a very kind of neutral, slightly devil's advocate position, and you're offering just an outside mainstream perspective with some facts and information, and it's it would it's ghosted, it's deleted. They get rid of it and they cancel us. That's why we don't know about it because of that. It is informational warfare, which is why I appreciate the opportunity to share what I do know. These are not theories, just to make this clear. These are facts that I'm sharing with you. I am sharing with you what happened with Randy Poland. I am sharing with you dates, specific time, specific people, what happened. I'm sharing with you what we have found with the with the audit um, by um, multiple forensic audit. Uh, Randy Poland is the guy who got the two books back where they were kind of ledgering uh, the gal who was signing off on the ballot machines count totals, right? Right. What's he say at this point? Because what you're saying, obviously, if it's false, is, you know, it's libelous and slanderous and, you know, it's actionable information. Yes. So um, what's his response? Have you contacted him? Yes. I, I've con well, first of all, I've confirmed this. Um, I've got on video um, Noel Roberts' testimony. I also have Ken, um, Ken uh, Bennett admitting to this on video during my my show that this has happened and i also spoke to uh, randy personally and um got and i also have his testimony that he did indeed take them off site did he offer an explanation as to why like oh i was reconciling books or i, I had just been there so long there's no place comfortable to sit or i just had to keep working through the night and i had to eat and i just went home and in my pajamas worked on the books i mean what, what, what did he offer some semblance of explanation uh the the person that i was with you know she kind of gave him a way out saying well you were in charge of the audit and everything you could take them off and so he used that as his excuse yeah i was in charge of this this was my report and I'm a, I'm a CPA, is what he said. I'm a CPA, and and um, and this was, my, and so it was my report. I'm the one that did the audit. So it's an obfuscation of bullshit. Correct. Okay, and so you're making these kind of accusations of, uh, or, or you're basically just repeating stuff out loud that is verifiable and. One hundred percent. Okay. Everything I said, I'm I'm not, you know, I, it's all video. I mean, it's I've got it all, you know. So, it's really it, it it really is concerning to me that this that this has happened, and I don't I don't know. I mean, it's been reported. I reported it on Frank's speech. I was on Frank's speech. It's been reported. Jovan Hutton Pulitzer has talked about it on his podcast as well. You know, this uh, you can go to my Rumble channel as well and see the videos that I did. This is this all. This is all real stuff. And, and as far as facts go, I mean, I have real numbers here. I mean, for instance, 99.39% um, of all ballot batches were modified after they were voted. What does that mean? That means that machines came in and modified uh, your, your vote through AI 
Night, and there's a batch of ballots. It's 200. How do you have that information? How do you know that? That came from this, um, the paper analysis report from Joe von Hutton Pulitzer that the Senate will will not allow uh, Joe von to come in and do his own debriefing. We have all of this information. It's all on his channels as well. All I have. Report- Who's Joe von Hutton? How did he have inform- How did he have information? How did he have access? He was a subcontractor of Doug Logan uh, from Cyber Ninjas, so he was part of it. And uh, again, if you look at the audit report that was presented on September 24th, you'll see that it says paper analysis, uh, you know, forthcoming. So this paper analysis has not been done. And so when I I was speaking to uh, a Mark Fincham, for instance, the Mm -hmm. other day, and he said, well, all of this information just needs to go to the AG. It doesn't need to be going to the Senate. And I said, he said, it's over. The audit's over. I said, no, it's not over, Mark. It's not over. And yes, the AG has all of this information, but it's the people. This is informational warfare. And we need the people to hear these numbers. But you know, Fincham's a patriot and Goser is a patriot. I mean, tell me, I'm trying to figure out what, are, are they just like, hey, this is such a big rat's nest, we can't uncoil this, or we're going to lose the next election? What do you think's going on? Because I have a hard time thinking that the Arizona Senate went through all the machinations of getting the recount, not just an audit, but a recount, and then intentionally subverts it. I don't think a lot of people knew about what happened until I did my Truth Tellers Town Hall, and Noel came out and said it. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have, you know, millions of viewers, right? <laughs> or, uh, you know, so it, it gets limited. And when I, again, when I tried to expose Karen Fan, I, I reached out to um, uh, Christina Bob at OANN. She didn't want to hear the story. I reached out to the Hoffs at Gateway Pundit. They didn't want to hear the story. If you look at that agreement, it came out and it said that, uh, you know, it was a big win. It wasn't a big win. We never got those uh, Splunk logs at all we never got the router logs it wasn't a big win and the way they 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 created that agreement it was designed so that they wouldn't get it and i saw it from the beginning i have i owned and operated an it business for about 15 years i've been in i i I have cybersecurity background so i knew instantaneously that these machines had something to do with the flip of the votes and we well we also saw it i mean they they came out with information about the flips of the votes within the first week of of what was happening so we so how did trump get elected the first time if these corruption if these elections are all corrupt and have been for years he was just that popular so he just they 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 have some kind of latent amount of cheating that they do that usually it just tilts the scale enough in their favor and he just stunned them by outperforming the cheat delta, the cheat The algorithm that they had pre-programmed in. Remember, they in all of the swing states, they all of the they stopped counting in the middle of the night. Never has it ever happened in the history of America that everybody just stopped counting. And then you woke up in the morning and you know, the vote totals went completely skyrocket skyrocketed. And here's here's another interesting fact that from Jovan. Uh, Hutton Pulitzer on this audit. So they certified our election 
on November, no, excuse me, December 6th. And, no, excuse me, November 30th, they certified the election. That was the same day we were having the hearing when we had patriots for 11 hours of hearings talking about what they saw. And, and uh, Doug Ducey certified the election that day. Well, on December 6th and no, 7th and 8th, Jovan noticed that there were 118,000 ballots that were counted. 118,000 ballots. How did they come up with this this number certified 2,089,563 ballots on December 6th when they hadn't even counted 118,000 yet? Uh, wait a minute. Uh, uh, unpack that a little bit because you lost me. Okay. I'm telling you that they had the number was predetermined. Then they had to figure out how to get the ballots in the boxes. And that's what they did. When they figured out the ballots, they replaced ballots in the boxes with counterfeit ballots to do what they needed to do. And there were 118,000 ballots counted after the certification, meaning that this whole thing has been just one big selection. It's a sham. It's a sham. So, okay. Let's just say that I pause for a minute. Let's say that you've gotten 20 pieces, 20 soft indicators all pointing to absolutely something happened. And let's say I'm a reasonably skeptical centrist and I go, okay, what are you going to do about it? Well, right now, what we have on the table is a couple things. I, there, there are several things on the table right now that we're fighting, right? We're fighting. We're Americans. We're going to do what we got to do. So, um, one thing that we have on the table is a House bill. It's House Bill 2289 that, again, we've got Rusty Bowers, who is the Speaker of the House and the State House, and then we've got Senate President Karen Fan, and they have refused to put this bill on the table. And this bill is the only bill that will prevent the fraud that we have occurred going forward. That is one day, one vote, in person, with voter ID, precinct level, um, precinct level county, none of these voting centers, and hand count, no machines. Here you go, right back to the basis. We have a bill on the table that could stop this, and they won't even put it to the floor for a vote. Okay, so that's Arizona State Congress. That's the Arizona State House and Legislator, Senate. Legislator, right. Um, and so I know that, uh, Darren Mitchell is a big proponent of, you know, trying to run for leadership if, you know, he's running obviously. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, and is this something, is this on his agenda? Have you talked to him about this bill in particular? Do you have, do you know where his yeah. position on this is? Yes. Darren is an American first, uh, candidate as well. I mean, he's a candidate, so he doesn't have the power to make this vote right now, but there are a lot of people that are supporting this, uh, HB 2289. But we have. But uh, if he gets in and he's and, and gets elected uh, into leadership, then he does have the power to make it happen, right? Next time. Yeah. Next time, but not right now. Not right now. Right. And who's got the power to do it right now? Uh, the Arizona State Legislature, both the House and the Senate, need to vote on it, and we just needed a majority. And right, they, but if the leadership's got to put it up for vote. Correct. So who is one? Senate, who's the Senate one? President Karen Fan and or okay. Rusty Bowers, and both of them have been blocking it. Correct. Okay, so now is a waste of time. 
I, I, I'm, 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 you know, you're saying, I'm saying we got another guy, hopefully that's going to be stepping in the leadership position. That's making moves behind the scenes to get into leadership. Is he, it seems like he might be our next chance. Well, we have a lot, again, we have a lot of people. I, I like Darren, don't get me wrong. No, I'm, I'm just saying right now, I'm not giving up hope as long as we have a legislative session. All right. So yeah. we, the people are the ones that got the audit. Right. But who we, can make Karen Fan put it up? Well, Somebody like somebody who actually starts holding her accountable. It's but it's we the people. I mean, we have to continue to make those phone calls, put the pressure on her. You know, get on social media, make sure that we do what we did, like we did. That's why I'm asking you this. So you believe that Karen Fan, who it sounds like you believe is corrupt, and has completely blocked the audit from being done properly, and has subverted the audit. You believe if we make enough phone calls and send her enough letters, she's going to put up this bill that can make our elections honest? Honestly, it's really, it's a, it's an uphill battle. You know, God is in this, right? And God wins. And so we have to continue to do that. I don't know. I'm not going to say that. I, I'm not, I, I don't want to say, hey, Karen Fan is corrupt, by the way. I'm just speaking facts as to how it came out. Everybody else can make their own interpretation of what happened. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you timelines yeah. and let somebody else, you know, do do more digging. This is what happened, you know. So we can read between the lines. Is but I'm not gonna defame her per se. Okay. Um, but yes, we have the people. We can do that. All right. So then we've also got a couple other things that are on the table. One is uh, the injunction that Kurt Olson and uh, Dershowitz. And I thought oh, Paul. I don't know these three lawyers that they're putting it on. It's a it's a Lake Fincham. Uh, injunction to ban the machines and get them out and going back to hand counting and there and we're l- working on that right now of course there was a motion to dismiss out there and they are coming back and so we're still working on that aspect of it so there is a lawsuit based upon the fact that uh, you know these these machines were not certified this is another thing these machines were not even certified they they're certification had lapsed and they were running them and that's against the law on top of it so in truth not one of these votes are legal because it was not even on a legal machine. we seem as a state incompetent because it sounds like the voting machines were improperly used it sounds like the people in charge are covering their asses because they were complacent didn't do their jobs it sounds like the senate made much ado about something it didn't follow through and subverted its own report i mean arizona frankly talking to you seems like the dumbest state that's ever existed full of the dumbest most corrupt people it's been quite a uh, it's been quite a journey uh, uncovering all of this this is why I'm, one of the reasons why i'm running you know i i feel like there's pretty much nobody that ha- in the state that has done a deeper dive on any of this there are a few you know there are a few handfuls but i have done interviews not only with you know jovan and my getting reports but i've worked with uh, captain k south keschel dr doug frank uh, professor clements who you might be familiar with what happened in uh, otero county new mexico their their board of supervisors similar to the position i'm running for just voted to ban the machines and ban the i'll call them mule boxes 
as well. So we do have a precedence there. And and so uh, if you run for this position, whose seat are you running for right now? Or, or what incumbent are you trying to kick out? All right. So I am running and uh, I'm going to win. <laughs> we have an incumbent. So Steve Shukri is, resigned in the middle of all of this. And so this is a special election. For a vacated seat. For a vacated seat. And it, there was an uh, incumbent selected by the current, interestingly enough, the four other board of supervisors got to select who goes into the seat. That's bizarre. Oh, yeah. So they, they voted this guy in. And uh, the day he took office, his name is Tom Galvin. He works with Rose Law Firm. And uh, he was very clear to say that the uh, election was won by Joe Biden in the county, the state, and the country. He, in his last two newsletters ago... Which is a bullshit statement. It because, is. Because um, he doesn't have any of that information. Correct. Correct. And he, and he ran as... And he's a Republican, supposedly? Yes. So he's a rhino. Yes. So you basically, we have five absolute, complete gutter snipe rhinos. Well, one's a Democrat. Oh. So there's four four rhinos so and a Democrat. So we have one honest person yeah. and four lion sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're running for one of the sons of bitches spots. I am. I am. Absolutely. And I've got uh, two other um, men that are also running for the same position. It's only a two-year seat this this time because right. it's, it's typically finishing up the term. And we're, mid, we're doing a midterm special. Right. Right. And so I have two other career politicians, you know, 20 Who's... and 30-year career politicians that are also running for this position. So there's one seat, four people running for it. And I've got to win because I'm going to go in there and continue to expose this stuff because now if when I'm a board of supervisor, I will have a microphone to say these types of things. And so when they're sitting there lying, I'm going to be like, well, no, these are the facts. This is what happened. This I know. Let's talk about what, you know, I'm what's just going on. trying to see, you know, when crimes are committed, one of the first thing, it's one of the tenets of, uh, investigative um, processes motive what's the motive you know you can see cover your ass going on people can break the law accidentally or out of complacency or out of neglect um, or out of malfeasance and 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 then you can see cover-up going on so I can see people wanting to subvert information to cover up their misdeeds but um, the the county supervisors they didn't run the boxes in the elections, right? And they didn't actually do the counting. There's only five people. So did they orchestrate it? Okay, I'm, again, so now these are theories. So conspiracy theories comes out, right? So these are just questions, and that's, we're talking about motives, and yeah. right? So I'll throw some things out there just to throw them out there, but I have no proof, right? But just based upon you know things that I, I, I know, one thing is, uh, I know for a fact that just before uh, they purchased these Dominion machines, we've got a nice little trip from Jack Sellers getting invited out to China. Pictures of him on, on his website. What does that mean? I don't know. But Who's right, Jack Sellers? He, is the, he was the chairman of the board of supervisors. Okay. Right after that, a um, couple months later, they purchased these uh, Dominion machines, or leased these Dominion machines. Don't know if there's a connection. Don't know. I want to talk a little bit. You, I know you didn't even realize that you said it, but it, boy, it is something that I have brought up publicly, and I'll bring it up again. 
um, something happened with those ballots. Right? We don't know what happened, but we, they had to replace them. They had to bring in ballots. Something happened, but we know that the ballots that were in the boxes were not legitimate legal ballots. And by the way, our Arizona State Constitution, Article 7.7, says that the highest number of legal ballots counted it determines the person elected. Right. This is so unconstitutional. Anyway, I I don't know if you all remember this, but back in March, um, Corey Langhofer again, the attorney, he wrote up the subpoena and he wrote it up incorrectly. And he wanted all of the equipment and all of these things, the routers and everything like that to be delivered to the Capitol. He put that as the address. So this is the legal document. This is the subpoena. We've got to bring it all over to the Capitol. Well, all of a sudden they're balking. They're like, well, we, we can't bring this to the Capitol. We don't have any security. You know, I was fighting for it to be done there where they counted it. Anyway, bottom line is Jack Sellers has a picture of him in the back of a white box truck with all of these stacks of ballots, boxes of ballots. I... That was on March 3rd, I believe it was. And they were like, well, what do you want to do with these ballots? Well, we don't know. Well, the next thing you know, um, March 7th, they found the shredded ballots. Do you remember when that happened? Mm -hmm. They found the shredded ballots in the back of the of the uh, dumpster right outside of MacTech, um, the, where they count the ballots. Uh, and uh, there was also, at Clint Hickman's farm, a huge fire that same day. Don't know what happened. I'm just saying I have requested public records request um, multiple occasions, but the last one back in December, it was actually Christmas Eve. Still haven't got it actually, but I wanted to see the video of the ballots coming out of the vault onto the truck and then back into the vault again. Where's the video? I want to see it. Can't get it. They're not providing it. I don't know what happened. I just know that when they opened up those boxes, some of those boxes had garbage in them. None of them were accurate to to the point where they were the 200, 200, 200, basically, throughout a whole. Hmm. Yeah. We had overage, unders, all of it. And then, like I said, stacks and stacks and stacks of Biden ballots in a row, which is incredible. Absolutely, it's a impossible. numerical impossibility. Exactly, and 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 some would say, well, there, there, no one's aggregating votes as they come through. You know, oh, that's a Trump vote. Put it in that box. Right. There's no aggregation going on. They come in in order and they stack in the box for which they're run and counted. Right. Great, a great point. Another thing that came through in the in the paper analysis is you could see, and Jovan in the, his detailed reports talks about the fact that. You could see the day that the ballot was counted, and you, and there are things from you know five and seven days apart, all in the same box. How does that happen? They're you know they're intertwined in there. They're like, oh, we have to get some. Only if they've been gone through. Only if they've been gone through, and like because I said, they stack up. I don't think most people realize, but the way they're done is they go in the top of the voting machine, and and. Uh, and then you get to see that little thing that your vote's been counted. You know, you get to look at it, and they give you your little sticker. And the vote drops into the inside, which is supposedly a, cure, a secure metal locker 
drops into a pile. And then when it gets to a number, it's full. They're supposed to take that stack out and put it in a box and seal the box. Right. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, and by the way, when your vote gets into, uh, you actually, your vote, you think you actually voted, but you don't because a lot of it, what, what was happening, it was going to an adjudication. So Sharpie Gate was real, by the way. That's another one that, you know, I'll be labeled a conspiracy theorist about. But come to find out. So the Sharpie, let me just, before you dive into this, because sure. I've had this, this conversation half a dozen times. Sure. Um, we're supposed to do it with like a, an ink pen, right? Our, our voting is supposed to be marked. You're supposed to connect the lines with an ink pen. And they were handing out Sharpies all over town during the election. The... The Sharpie actually works, right? Yeah, well, the Sharpie bled through. So it created conflicts on the votes on the second side. It caused adjudication. It caused what was called adjudication. And, it made... and so now your vote has to stand, uh, goes out on a table and two people look at it. Supposedly, but that's not what happened. Ugh. So supposedly, that what, they, what happened was is that then all of a sudden they got so many adjudicated votes. So here's some facts for you, again, from this report. Um, back in 2016, one out of every 100 ballots needed adjudication. In 2018, two out of 100 ballots needed adjudication. Four per 100 was considered to be broken a broken scanned machine or one out of every 25. So you shouldn't even be using the machine anymore. In 2020, it surged to one out of every 10 ballots. 10%. 90. Well, yeah, yeah, one out of 10, yes. Yeah, so yeah. ten. So ten percent which in a, in a county of 4.1 million people, is that what you said? Yes. How many, how many people are in Maricopa County? Yeah, four, well, in Maricopa County, this, this is, yeah, 4.4 4. 4. 4. 4. 4. 4 million. Okay, so that's yes. 440,000 votes right. that have to be adjudicated, right. which would require a team if everyone could be adjudicated in 30 seconds. It would require a large team and, it, it you know, 30 seconds times 440,000 is a lot of minutes. Right. And so what they do is, and what we have proof that they did is, and I, I, I've been calling this again for months. I knew it would happen. I even, I even have emails to the board of supervisors before they su supervise, before they certified the election about this. They move them into folders. So you think about your, win you know, Windows or Mac or whatever, you have a folder you can have a folder and you can put all of these files in them and then they just drag and drop and adjudicate all at once for one person. And that's what they did. They just dragged and dropped and adjudicated. They couldn't even look at them. Groups and groups and groups of ballots, about batches of ballots. This is what happened. Hmm. So you get a group of let's say they do it in a group about the size of a box, a group of 200, and they go, well, we can't possibly look at half a million votes between now and midnight, so we'll do this box for Biden, and we'll do this box for Trump. Do we have any record of how the adjudication split went down? We have every record. We have every box. We have every so single one. So how did one. the adjudication uh, break down elect uh, uh, election-wise? Well, the... You see what I'm getting at? Yes, yes. Because uh, if if you could take, let's say the way the layout of the vote went was disfavorable to one can, candidate or the other because of the way the second side is, 
yes. and, and you have 10%, which is a half a million votes in an election that was determined with less than 10,000 votes, supposedly. You have a half a million votes that go to adjudication. And let's say ostensibly at any given moment, it's 50-50. One, it, it's not going to be all Biden or all Trump that are being adjudicated. It should be... The numbers adjudicated should be pretty close to the split of the numbers of the actual general election. So let's say it's 50-50. If you adjudicate it all towards one or the other, it's a big, big change. Well, they didn't adjudicate just one to another. They had to, they had to play it up. Like I said, even in that uh, forensic analyst that... So Doug Logan hired Eric Spikeen toward the end of the audit. So in September... And Doug Logan, again, is the cyber ninja guy. Correct. And he hired him, and he only had him look at a select group, only 61 batches. Bobby. And those batches showed that there were 90-10 in the uh, Biden vote. And again, not only did we just have this forensic audit, but we have American citizens. We have Arizona citizens that came to my Truth Tellers Town Hall they saw it with their own eyes when they were working on the audit. They saw it. They saw batches. So you're and, saying, and, and you're the saying U, U they adjudicated 90% of the adjudicated ballots, which were about 10%. So, all right, so we're just going to do some math here, okay, yeah. while, we're, while, we're, uh, while we've got folks watching. Sure. Because I find this fascinating. It is fascinating, isn't it? Okay, so we've got 4.4 million in Maricopa County. We have a 10% uh, adjudication rate. 10% adjudication. And that's based on marker gate. Sharpie gate. Sharpie gate. Well, that's a yeah. Sharpie yeah. gate. Just a, uh, or just, anything. Just yeah, a, yeah, paper, okay. whatever. For whatever reason. Oh, and there. so there were some because the paper was wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been just about anything. Um, yes. Okay. And so th that means there's these drop boxes being collected and they're being brought to the tallying areas as well. And they're going through and looking at all of those votes. And then at a certain percentage of those have to be adjudicated for whatever reason, a fold, missing a signature, lots of reasons. We have a lot of, we have a lot of um, supposedly uh, mail-in ballots. Uh, they're called EVLs. They, they were not even creased. Right, which is an impossibility. Correct. It means they never went in the sealed envelope that gets a signature on right, it. Right, right. People so, always, you know, and people make, make fun of that when you get, when that's brought up, and it's a really big deal. A mail-in ballot that was not mailed in is an impossibility. Correct. It's impossible to bring in a mail-in ballot. It has to be closed in the envelope, and then the envelope gets signed as well so they can signature verify it, right? right? Okay. So I just want to... That's 440,000 um, adjudicated votes in an election uh, that was decided by less than 10,000 votes here in Arizona, supposedly. Mm -hmm. Now, if we just do some real simple math but, and we say... But your numbers are wrong because there, there were 2.89 million ballots accounted. So you're talking about population. Oh, okay. Okay, you're right. There were not all 4.4 million voted. Correct. My, my bad. My right. bad. All right. Thank right. you for thinking. Sure. So 2,800,000 votes. Just say so, 2 million. You can just say 2 million. Okay. Yeah, and, around it. But, but 
you know, it's close to three. It's there were two point eight million votes, right? No, it's uh, well, no, it's two point one. Oh, it's two point one. Yeah, two, yeah, two million eighty nine thousand five hundred sixty three ballots were cast as reported by Maricopa County. Okay, so it's two million votes. Mm -hmm. Okay, and of the two million votes, there's a ten percent adjudication rate, approximately, which is two hundred k. And you're saying that the audit shows and the records show that. 90% of adjudicated votes were determined towards Biden. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in um, this one selection of ballots, one selection of batches of ballots, so there, I don't know how many batches of ballots there were, but he only looked at 61 batches of ballots. Yeah. And in this 61 specifically, they were 90, 10, and you know, one way and 90-10 the other, which is statistically impossible. Eric Spikeen did not do an analysis of every ballot. Jovan Hutton Pulitzer did an analysis of every single ballot back and forth. So he, he's the one that has the number. So does anybody have the number on the approximately 200,000 adjudicated ballots, How what the breakdown was for how those were adjudicated? Because you were just saying that they basically would pick the whole box. Well, I no. I, sometimes they would. Sometimes they would. In fact, the Uakava, which is the you know, they came in. Those are the the people, the military and stuff like that. They came in, and and I, I've heard testimony and Senate testimony from eyewitnesses that they just came in on regular pieces of paper, and all they said was Biden on them, just Biden. I mean, it was just a vote for Biden, and there were, and it was on eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper. It wasn't even on a ballot because they print them out. It, and I think there were, I don't remember, thirty-five thousand federal only ballots that were counted. Federal only meaning they don't even ha have to prove that they are uh, citizens and um, and residents of Arizona. Thirty, and that was a huge increase. So we, so this kind of goes back full circle to where we started. There are so many different ways that they're they're cheating. So I want to, you know, the adjudication, the Sharpie gate, because of the bleed through that came through. They used the markers. They, we have a video. I have a video. They have a video, of uh, they purchased the software to create filled in marker like objects so that when they go through adjudication that it will look like a sharpie actually marked the ballot and the reason why they created these various different ways that it looks like a sharpie did it is because they used the term disability because if you're in a precinct that only has maybe three or four people in it and one person is disabled they might be able to determine who voted that ballot this is a bunch of malarkey this is why they needed their sharpies because they already had the software here's the other thing <laughs> when when they adjudicate the ballot here we don't have a record of what the pre-adjudication ballot looked like comparatively to what the post-adjudication ballot looked like they just change it and so we need if we are ever going to go back into a, a you know a machine type counting or whatever, we need to have something like blockchain or keystroke logging or anything like that, so that we can yeah. we can make sure that we have a complete chain of custody. I think it'll be the only thing that comes out of 
out of uh, cryptocurrency is the blockchain technology for voting. I think I it would be it might be one of the only ways to digitally. I don't think digitally is possible though. I think there's even if you have blockchains being collected, the collection can still be messed with because that's not blockchain. You know what I'm saying? If you've got millions of bits of encrypted data coming in, you could push all of before you don't have to crack the data. You could just push the data into a different column. You know, it's not how you vote. It two counts. Right, right, right. So, they, but there is, there are, there are some really great solutions out there right now that we're looking at. Um, actually, they, yeah, they, and they have both a pi public and a private uh, blockchain, so you can actually measure and look at your vote. Let me ask you. Like a, let me ask you a big question. Who do you think is behind all of this? It seems too slick for the Democrats. <laughs> I, I don't think they're that slick because, frankly, they don't seem that intelligent. And the people coming out of the Ivy League schools these days are clearly bright people who are not well educated. Because when you talk to them, they're in la la. They're really smart and they've got good, good vocabularies, but their thought processes are absolutely bananas. And they're, they're, you know, the whole thing about the scientific revolution and the Enlightenment age was repeatability and repeatability of outcomes right that's the whole cornerstone of empiricism and science i have this hypothesis this process and if you use this process you'll get the same outcome and result that i did it's repeatable yes right and that's the thing about logic and rationality if we strip away propaganda and emotions the whole aim of humanity for two centuries was how do we come up with a better way of being as a people and it was to get rid of all the emotions and the hyperbole and let's look at the data and 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 come up with solutions based on empiricism right they don't seem like they're that way at all they seem like they have an agenda out here that they've built a house of cards that's very elaborate on top of so i don't see i don't are they even bright enough to pull this off, or is it just the techie people who have done this? Who's done this? I th I have my own theory. Okay, I'd like to hear your theory, but uh, first, but but I want to hear yours okay, first okay. because you have more. You've been really kind of fixated on this, sure. and you're running for this office. Sure. Well, I can tell you that uh, again. I'll just speak about facts. We we know for a fact that um, one point. Uh, Two million files were deleted, um, and these were the uh, adjudication files. They were the SQL database files, and they were deleted from uh, the servers before they were sent over to be audited by Cyber Ninjas and Cipher. Right. Which seems like a crime to me. It was a crime, and and who did that? So we've got it on video. We know the three people that actually did it. Who did it? I don't know the names of them, They've, but uh, the attorney general does. Are they volunteers? I think they're employees of the recorder's office. And Mark Brnovich hasn't done anything about it. Mark Brnovich has done nothing about it at all that I'm aware of. Okay, and we've also had a security breach, by the way, that Stephen Richer was aware of. I've got a letter of Internet connectivity. There was a guy by the name of... Kerwin, something Kerwin, I think, out of Fountain Hills, where they came in and they raided. Do you remember this when they raided in Fountain Hills and they took a bunch of hard drive and USB 
and stuff like that. Where did this guy go? This was hap- This happened back in November. November. We knew about it. We're, he's kind of disappeared. Yeah. Um. So uh, we know that these files were de- deleted. They said in Congress, the Board of Supervisors went to Congress. Andy Biggs, uh, Representative Andy Biggs, yeah. asked about it. They said that they were archived. Well, first of all, they shouldn't have been archived. But secondly, they should have been provided. Um, Andy Biggs, I saw him uh, at the Lincoln luncheon when uh, Dinesh D'Souza was in here yeah, doing the 2000 Hills. Right. And I asked him, did you ever get those files? Were they ever were they ever produced? And he said no. So, you know, they say that they were archived to try and cover their asses. But they, uh, we don't know. We know for a fact. So Tina Peters out of down, uh, out of Colorado, she held held and holds a position in Colorado that I would be holding. Like you talked about different names, different different things. But what she did is she did an a forensic image of the hard drives before Dominion came in to put in their trusted build. And what they found were, and you can go to frankspeech.com and you can see all of these reports, but what they found were they actually had two, what they call SQL databases, and they created multiple databases and they had the true vote and the imported vote. It's the mafia. This is the goddamn mafia. They got two sets of books. Yes. Well, it's bizarre. Um, Well, you've, look, you've stated a whole bunch of information and- Basically, you're uh, running for this Maricopa County Board of Supervisors position. You want to displace somebody in a special election, uh, and then you want to run for this position in the normal cycle when we kick up on the next presidential cycle. Um, You're going to bring a mouthpiece to the position. You're going to bring a kind of expose-oriented perspective, and you're going to stir the pot, basically. Am I missing something? Yes, yes. Um, I'm going to do all of that, and then I also have, um, you know, the the mental health and um, and substance use disorder problem that we have in the state and all over this country is something that is very, very close to me as well. And um, I really want to look to see how much how we could really help those that are suffering a little bit more. This is one of the reasons why I got into politics to begin with. I. Um, I, I, I wanted to, there was a law on the books, believe it or not, this is crazy, but there was a law on the books that said, if you go into an urgent psychiatric care center for an evaluation and they determine that you have, for instance, methamphetamine in you and you're acting crazy, well, we can't hold you um, because we do not have a way through a court-ordered treatment process to hold somebody that is under the influence of drugs only. It has to be for serious mental illness to order court-ordered treatment. So I worked with Senator Bartow and others from the uh, Association for Chronically Mentally Ill, and we put together a bill that um, allowed, going forward, the doctor's in those situations to at least evaluate them long enough to determine that it is mental illness. 
that's we've, causing this. We've got, you know, it's funny you brought this up because it was really when you started talking today and you talked about everything that the Board of Supervisors has their fingers in and how they disseminate money and how not accountable they seem. They seem very unaccountable, like no one's checking on them. Um, who's supposed to? Is that supposed to be the uh, Attorney General? Are they supposed to be auditing? Who's supposed to be auditing and making sure that the board of supervisors is doing their job it's checks and balances so they have laws to they have laws to uphold as well so yes i would say yes that would be the attorney general the executive branch as well the legal branch so uh justice you know i was thinking as you were telling me all the stuff that they allocate money for i was thinking about the 40 billion dollars we sent to ukraine i'm thinking about federal grants for mental health mental health mental wellness um you know, I've had friends um, who've had family members get into uh, psychological crises, and it seems like it only goes. It it's only I don't even want to say successful, but it, there's only seems to be a process for people who've got really good insurance, and that leaves you know maybe twenty five percent of our culture very exposed to the normal highs and lows of human mental wellness right and if you drive around this town and la and san francisco and denver and austin you see the zombies these zombies are everywhere they're fentanyl chinese drug addled zombies what do can the board of supervisors lean in on that yes what, I mean, it seems like we have dropped the ball on mental health care in this country because it's not a real graspable voting dem demographic. And because of that, we have this uptick in gun violence as well because it is really SMI that are involved in these, these big shootings. Yes. They're either normal people who are having a critical collapse incident or they're severe mentally ill borderline schizophrenic emerging early 20s uh late 20s early 30s emerging schizophrenics people hearing voices uh taking a lot of psychotropic and uh, antipsychotic drugs that seem to be involved in these shootings um we've got kids having psychological collapse because of two years of isolation because of gender confusion you know adolescents remember when we were kids adolescence is hard enough and uh, everybody was wearing the same and marching the same. And we all were, uh, you know, we had our little cliques, but it was very different. Now, uh, it's super confusing to be a kid, in my opinion, as I watch it. We sit back, oh, it's good. Everyone's really nice. And, you know, everyone's really accepting and open. But there's a cost for all of that sexual openness early. And I think it's... I think it's very catastrophic on kids. And I think we're seeing the fallout from it now. Young people involved in shootings, young people's suicide rates up. Oh. What can the, can the Board of Supervisors get involved in this? Well, we have to. And yes, we can. Um, one of the things uh, we really have to look at is, for instance, the Arizona State Hospital right now is in a crisis mode. They are completely understaffed. And there is a waiting list on top of it for people to get in there. They have a complete floor they're not even using. But the, the, the nurses that are there right now are getting beat up on a daily basis almost. And um, I, have a, I have a friend who 
had a concussion, beat up by a patient. Um, she had to get off of work. They did not give her pay while she was off of work. They said she had to go back to work. She went back to work. Somebody broke her finger. They had, she told me one time there were, there, there have been three suicides. Amongst the hospital staff? No, amongst the patients in the first, it, this year alone. They're supposed to be, su- they're supposed to be supervised. Right. What's going on? Yeah. They've had five deaths. We, What's going on in the Arizona State Hospital? Then we have transitional housing problems, major transitional housing problems. Well, you know, well. this is a this is a challenge. So, you know, a lot of this, uh, the SMI, the severe mentally ill academic that real uh, epidemic, that kind of punched our country in the gut, really happened after the Reagan administration dismantled a lot of SMI facilities around the country and programs. Correct. Um, the problem was, if you looked at the time when they did exposés on them, they were houses of horror. And so, you know, what we find is the government is really bad at everything. Yes. And the and uh, government care turns into some version halfway between prison and horror show. When we have two centuries of data and performance to back that up, you know, government care doesn't go well because government employment doesn't foster performance it fosters protectionism they and they protect each other right so they audit each other they i mean when um when you when you make a complaint uh, they uh, they they band protect, together to they, subvert it that's right because right. they don't want to be sued right. right and so they cover it up because they right. don't want to be sued this is what's happening there and 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 to your point you're right um, a lot of these transitional homes right now, um, there's not enough structure, there's not enough oversight, which is why people don't want them in their neighborhood. Well, and this is, <laughs> you know, this is this gets to the point of the problem with our country. And, uh, and if the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors has a chance at the grassroots level to be in on it, you know, this is my two cents. My two cents is there's no accountability at any level in any government employment. And because of that, everything the government touches turns out to be big hammer, one size fits all, and in the long run turns out to be stifling and bad for humans. So they start these programs with the best of intentions, and in no time they're corrupt, they are protectionist, they're gangs, and we shut them down, and Reagan comes along and shuts them down. They were the best of intentions. What do we do with all of these mentally ill people, and how do we do it through the private sector? not just throw money and government employees at it. Right. Well, you're you're right. One of the things that um, the Association for Chronically Mentally Ill has it is working on, and they've been having a problem trying to uh, find uh, even a location for it, but they've been working on it for the last year, is we need something in between so that those that are seriously mentally ill can still get the care that they need, but they need to be in a safe, secure, you know, like a home setting, where, you know, yes, you've got your fenced and your camera and everything like that, but um, you, but it has to be a home. It has to be able to place where they could eat and drink and sleep and, 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 and not, it's not a hospital environment. So what's happening right now is they, they go from a hospital to basically a 24 seven program where they stay there and it is up to 30 days and then they go to a halfway house or they get released. 
Right. And and um and these and, and then they, they talk about prison. I mean, then they don't get their phones. They're they're like they're treated like half humans. Yeah. And and so nobody wants to stay there. Right. Right. And so it, it's it's a forced it's it's forced failure. And so there needs to be uh, this is something like my point is that this is something that's very important to me. And I definitely will um, get, you know, get more involved with that because we do have that. And we and we and we also need low low income housing, not just apartments. Right. We need low, and the Board of Supervisors did just purchase some land and is providing some low income housing. Um, in areas out there right now. And so we it, that is one thing that they did do. I have I will give them credit for for that. Well, right they're now. well-intentioned and I don't know anything about it. I don't like that there's no accountability. I hate how much power they have. I hate the idea that they bought property. I'm like, who the hell are they to be buying property? And the government be involved in anything turns into a shit show. Um, they could put together the nicest houses, put up the most money for staff and put together an amazing complex for drug addicts to mm -hmm. live in some semblance of peace and cohesiveness and it would turn into a horror show within two years it they're bad at everything so that's why constitutional conservatives like me are like you know the best intentions you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions and every government thing you know the reason we have all these people on the streets is because of of the grainy hidden cameras that were popped up in the 70s and 80s on our mental health care facilities in this country, which were big, multi-million dollar hospital facilities staffed by government employees. Right, with no accountability. Houses of horror. Right. And we're just going to do a different version of it. Well, we have to, We again, and a lot of that goes to the legislator, but it, let's, it goes full circle. Our government wouldn't be where it is right now if actually we, the people, good, honest, Christian, you know, whatever, constitutional conservatives came in and voted these people out. But they're yeah. being selected. Yeah. And so if we could get some of these great people that have stepped up to the plate right now, and we have a lot of great candidates out there yeah. um, in office— we could make a difference because that is how our constitutional republic is supposed to work. And it really comes right down to the elections. And then you could change some of these things, you know, and then the people start talking to their legislators and then they, they, they bring forth good bills and they come and they, they get passed, um, you know, into law. And then hopefully we can, I think our biggest, you know, another big problem is we have a, pro a corrupt judicial system on top of it. Absolutely. It's Everything the government touches is ruined. Yeah. Everything. You know, you'll pay any dollar amount to get unentangled from a legal thing in this country because there is absolutely no justice happening. It is injustice grind of money and the corruption. Yeah. And it's filled with people all trying to run for office and make a name for themselves. It has nothing to do with doing the right thing. I, I, I kind of laugh because it would be like I, I will be one of the you know one of the most honest people out there. Nobody's going to dare bribe me because I'm going to expose them. You know, I just it's going to be interesting to see the play. I, I actually don't. You know, you ask me how do I know? I actually don't know. Right? I don't really know how it all goes down and all of that stuff. And I'm imagining. Once I get on the inside, I'll find out more, right? But I really don't know who is doing what. And but my point, you know, going back to like Brnovich not arresting any of these people, um, 
you do know some of the people. Let's get some arrest down there. Let me ask you some uh, some election stuff at this point. We've covered some topics deeply. Anybody who's cared to stick around knows more about you than they did when they started. Yes. Um, you got four people running for this position. Uh, the guy who's currently sitting in it, he's going to run for it. Yes. Ostensibly as a, you know, he's a selected person, semi-incumbent running. Um, you've got two other people, guys, competing against you for it. Um, you know, I, where are you? How do you feel like you are? Everyone who's running for office all thinks they're going to win. And most people, when they come in, I can t- I can tell within, you know, I've done this enough now, 95% chance of who's even in the race. And that means 95% of all people who come in and say they're running for something, they're not even in the race. So I'm not sure if they just have some cognitive dissonance or overly optimistic uh, uh, cognitive dissonance hidden as over-optimism. Where are you in the standings? Um, Have you been, how long have you been running for? Have there been any polling at this point? It's a hard thing to poll for um, because it's very, it's a very light ping on people's radar. Right. Well, yeah, in most most years, people don't even care about the Board of Supervisors. They right. don't even know what it is, right? But because the Board of Supervisors, um, you know, I also, a.k.a. Board of Criminals, um, they, you know, they've been in the news because they have been noncompliant with subpoenas. They have taken over the elections. More people are now looking at it. Um, as far as me being in the race, I've been... I've been applying for this job for the last two years, if you ask me, you know, since um, between or or more. How's it going compared? You know, uh, you got to have a sense of where you are in the race. I think I'm winning. I actually believe I'm winning. I'm the grassroots candidate. Is there any data to back that up or is it just your gut? I would say it's more my gut because I'm out there. I, you know, you talk about people being in there and out there. I mean, I was just, I I had two... um, to me, I'm out every single day. I spoke at the Rio of the Palo Verde Republican Women's Club uh, in the afternoon yesterday. Last night, it was at uh, Handlebar J's, a meet and greet. Today, I'm with you this morning. Tonight, I'll be at LD. You were at Handlebar J's? I mean, uh, how do I miss uh, how do I miss political events at co- places where I go country dance? That's I don't crazy. know. I don't know, but it was a lot of fun. You missed a good time. Oh, that's bizarre. Was there country dancing going on last yeah, night? Yeah, there was. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, it was. So I'm I'm out there. I have been a grassroots, um, you know, candidate. I because of my social media and my citizen journalism. Uh, people actually know me from all over the country. I was endorsed by uh, Mike Lindell um, from My Pillow, CEO, um, and uh, use promo code Gail, please, if you would. Um, that will help. But he he endorsed me early on in this candidacy, and then I was actually at Mar-a-Lago um, recently, and from the steps of Mar-a-Lago, President Trump said, "I would give you my endorsement right now." Now. Having said that, I haven't got anything from Save America yet, but I've got, I've got, you know, his verbal personal like, what I'm going to do. What that. do you got to do? Give him money? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm wondering. I don't, and you know what? I'm I, grassroots. I got no money, so if I don't get the Save America thing, at least I've got that on video. You can see it on, um, you could see it on my website. It's, you know, it's his personal endorsement to me. Well, let's talk. Um, let's talk about people. You can go to Gail Golick, G-A-I-L-G-O-L-E-C dot com. That's your uh, website for your campaign. She's running for Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. There are five of them. 
um, like a basketball team that has completely fumbled the ball. If I could mix my sports metaphors, um, I'm I'm disgusted. I am disgusted by my home state, and I love this state. With I love this state. I love Arizona. I I mean, I live up in the Boulders. I love it here. I love the smell and the dusty and the sun and the cactuses and the prickly, squinty-eyed kind of assholes who are natives from here like myself. I, I just love this whole place. I like the lakes and the boats and the big trucks and the cowboy boots and the cattle and the Wednesday night rodeos. I love everything about this place. And I absolutely am disgusted by the people, our citizens, whom we've elected, who've abdicated the responsibility of doing the right thing. I, the fact that they're covering up, hiding, obfuscating, and uh, if I were a Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, if I were one of the supervisors, and I got caught on my laurels, resting on my laurels, because just maybe it's been that way for a long time, and I just didn't know any better, and I was just kind of trusting the team and the bureaucracy and just kind of showing up and making sure that Mary was in her position, counting stuff up and making sure that Bob was there, counting the machines, having them lined up in the warehouse, and we're all ready for the big show coming up here in November. Uh, and this happened on my watch. I would be the first one lighting the place on fire with change and correction and going, God, how did this happen? That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. And I feel I, I, everything that you said about this state is, uh, I feel the exact same way about. I've been here since 2011, originally from uh, Illinois, and I fell in love with this state. And when this, uh, all of this started happening and I just kept doing deeper and deeper and deeper dive into it, I didn't even know why, but I was pretty much just infatuated with trying to figure out and get to the bottom of it so we can get the information out there because I knew it was so wrong. And then when Steve Shukri resigned, I and he lived in my district, it was like, really, God, is this what I was supposed to that do? Was, that was your lightning bolt moment. It huh? was, right. And then I just asked people, should I get, you know, should I run? And you know, next thing you know, I'm on the ballot. Next thing you know. Well, listen, um, I wish you the best of luck. I haven't had any of the other supervisor candidates come in. Um, uh, it seems like you're an America first uh, type person and candidate. Um, I think you got the right personality and perspective to go into a what looks to me to be a house of snakes and, and help, help be a part of cleaning it up a little bit. Um, I guess the only thing we can hope is it was so dirty this last time that this one's going to be the pendulum will swing and this one will be cleaner than usual because so many people are going to be watching and paying attention. That's the only thing I can hope out of this. We have we need uh, we need more poll workers. You can go to um, azelectionintegrity.com. You can sign up to be a poll worker here. In, uh, I'm going to do that this year, azpollworker.com. No, azelectionintegrity. azelectionintegrity.com. Yes. And um, it, you know, I heard they brought in California people to run our polls last uh, election. Um, they, they, they try. Yeah, they have their temp agencies that they bring in there, and we're going to try and make sure. And the last I heard, and we still need 2,500 more. AZ Election Integrity. Yes, AZ Election Integrity. dot com, and uh, yeah, we we definitely need that. And you know, is the my biggest concern, of course, is the machines. I think I can beat these guys clear up. If we had one day one vote in person, I got this thing. I know it. 
I know it. I know it. I know it. Um, I feel it in my heart. I'm out there. I mean, I'm. How are, how, how are we doing on getting rid of the machines? I know Carrie's got a, a case going with. Uh, is it with Fincham or who's it with? Yeah, it's with Fincham. I have. I, I have. I actually have something going too right now. What do you have going? Um, I I did what was called a, a, a notice of information. I've recorded it with the recorder's office, and really, what it comes down to is that the EAC did not follow their own procedures, their own administrative procedures, and they modified the election manual to include that the the machines can now be connected to the internet. They did this without their board supervisor, uh, without the board approval. So, so you want my theory? Yes. I think a foreign uh, entity put their fingers into our election process. I actually don't think it was Democrats. I think they got tons of people involved who may have thought they were working for Democrats. I don't think Democrats actually organized it. I don't think they're that slick. Uh, well, it's a huge racketeering uh, ring. And, it, the, it and is. the money uh, yes. usually points someplace. Right. Right. So where's the money point? Nobody knows at this point. Well, I think, you know, I think they give Brnovich, again, they give Brnovich credit to say, hey, you know, this is going to take a long time to figure out. Well, again, I say I go back to the fact that we've got a lot of people this guy has had the GPS location trackers from uh, Greg Phillips from Mules provided him a CD back in December, I believe it was, and the AG says he never received it. Okay, he has had this information for a long time. I don't know what his deal is. So until we actually get justice, you know, um, we need truth and we need we, justice. We've got video of people breaking the law. We do. And... And, and if we've got the geo-cached uh, information of their cell phones, it's really easy to data crunch and data mine who, their who they are. They have it. Right. So we know who the mules were. Right. And so it's time to um, get some subpoenas to go into their bank accounts and see where the money came from. Is it cryptocurrency? You know, the cryptocurrency spooks me. And I think there's a lot of cryptocurrency being given out because it's so untraceable. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if China was behind this whole thing. And if I were China, this is what I would do. I would go to swing states or perceived swing states or, they, you know, they're here in every state. They have offices everywhere. They're in every political uh, sphere in this country. And they are nudging the needle and they know we're whores for money. And all they got to do is throw some money at stuff and they can move the needle a little bit. And it may not be, but a multi-state Democrat conspiracy that hasn't come out, it's almost impossible to imagine it being true. They're using the nonprofits. That's they're going. The Chinese are. Well, somebody is. Somebody is. You're afraid to say who it is because you're not sure who it is. Uh, I right. There are names that have been thrown out there. I can't. I'm not going to say it, but um, I was. Uh, I, I was privy I'm, you know, to big conversation. I was privy to conversation with actually the names. To, Truthfully, I don't even remember the names of the organizations, but when I heard the names, um, they have it down. There are people that actually really know what the heck is going on out there. And it's frustrating because it's still going on. And I have an election on August 2nd here in Arizona that I need to win, right? We need a, a grassroots. This would be a yeah. grassroots win. I need to win. 
And I'm concerned that these machines are not going to, that are still going to be there yeah. where they can, they can take folders and just add ballots and yeah. stop the machines and, and, and put in. And they can select who they want. Right. I, I have a theory and I, I'd love to work on this a little bit. One of the thoughts is you have, this is another way that they, they uh, mess w with us. You actually have only five days after the election to challenge the election. I'd love anybody out there want to reach out to me or you or anybody. We need to come up with a plan where all of us as electors who have standing come in there and say, okay, we believe that there was fraud that was committed, whether it be um, dead voters, whether it be um, any of these things, any of these, these things that we could be and let them prove otherwise that it's not. Well, what's bizarre to me is that, I mean, people think this is a purple state, and as I go around, I don't believe it for a second. Not. You know, it, it. there are so few Democrats here, and they all keep their head down. That, You know, my friends that are conservatives who keep their head down in liberal states, like Massachusetts or New oh, York, yes. when they come visit me here, they're just like, they're, they walk around like, oh my God, these are my people. Like everybody's- they Yeah, they feel free when they get here. And it's a palpable thing that, that our friends uh, in left-leaning states, it's the opposite of the oppression they feel with their opinions. You know, if you voted for Trump and in California, the odds you put his bumper sticker on your car are pretty low because you just didn't want the trouble. You know what I mean? Right. And out here, I would, you know, you would never contemplate that. There's Trump stickers everywhere. He hasn't even declared, and there's Trump 2024 flags flying everywhere. I mean, there it's... An impossible notion. The Hispanic vote is not as monolithically left as they like to believe, and they're finding out. It's like there, there's cracks in this facade. I think the whole thing's a big ruse. And I've turned into, I am beyond revolutionary, and I am beyond January 6th, what happened with there. And I, I don't see a lot of fixing what we got going on. So best of luck to you going in there and uh, trying to affect some change from inside. You know, we got a guy in Washington who was the um, most kind of run through the temple with a whip and kick over the tables of the money changers guys we've ever had in there, and they ran his ass out of town. And uh, yes, so I don't know. Right. I don't know. Uh, you know, short of burning the whole thing to the ground and starting again, I don't know how we do it. I don't know how we do it, but I do know that we are great. We are American. We are chosen by God, and God wins. And everybody needs to get out and vote on August 2nd here in Arizona because that's how we found out to begin with. Because so many people got out there and voted and we knew, we the people knew. Impos that, that impossible. It, that it was impossible. Impossible. That, exactly. And so we have to get out there again now with more eyes, more eyes on what we know, the way they cheated, on the various different things. And we can do what we can do. But unless we get the judicial system to align with us, we're kind of, again, we're still fighting. This is war. It's a war like we've never fought before, but we're Americans and we will win. You know, we, we got a couple things that we have to figure out. You know, um, I, I think there are two long-term wars in this country. The first long-term war is we have to have men and uh, serious conservatives involved in school yes. so that the kids don't get brainwashed for 18 years. We have to... Um, we have to look at public funding of universities, yes. uh, and I think we need to reel that in a bunch. Yes, because they are propaganda machines destroying our country, and they are a place where Marxists go to preach. 
because they're the people who are preaching there are pretty much useless everywhere else. So I, I think we have a scholastic war in this country that needs to happen. And then the legal and ruling class, we have to find out, we have to find a way for them to not be closet Marxists. You know, we have so many lawyers involved in the adjudication process and enforcement component of our of our political system. And they are all, the vast majority of them are exceedingly left of center. You know, I would say the majority of your conservative Supreme Court justices are slightly left of center who have a constitutionalist belief, but they are left of center. You hear them talk and they sounded they sound like wokey woke East Coasters, all of them. And uh, we have a problem if our intelligentsia is all from one little narrow perspective. So now using our voice, our vote as our voice, and they're trying to take both our voice by censoring and you know not allowing us to be on Google and things, and they're trying to take our vote. Yeah. Right. They're 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 doing both. That's the war we have against us. So we have to continue to fight back with our voice, get the truth out there as much as we can. Speak numbers like I'm sharing with you. Go to my website, gailgolick.com. Download these audit reports that I have. Share them with everybody because you can't get them anywhere else. You don't have to put your name, address, phone number in there. I'm not collecting an email list. I could, I should, but you know what? I just, I don't want anybody to not grab this stuff. I yeah. want it out there. Yeah. We need the truth out there. The truth will set us free. Yeah, well, wonderful. Thanks for coming in, Gail. I really appreciate you spending a few moments with us so we could get a little deep dive on what you're up to. Thank you. I really appreciate you. It's been oh, a pleasure. Thanks. Hey, sports fans, that's your show. Listen, uh, I know it's a granular deep dive. I know it's a dry topic. Uh, I feel like the republic is teetering, and if guys like me who love this country down to the cellular level of my being, I can't even listen to the national anthem without being teary-eyed. I love this country so much, and I've been all over the world. And if guys like me are getting a little squinty-eyed skeptical about the prospects of longevity and what's going on, I see an assault at every level. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the whack-a-mole games we can play right now is cleaning up our elections so that our vote matters enough to st hopefully steer the ship away from the rocks. Because I see the rocks coming, and it's what I'm, I'm kind of concerned about it. <laughs> If you can't tell. So that's the Greg Medford Show. If you guys want to support Gail Golick, go to gailgolick.com. Send her a little money. If you live up in Marin County and you know it's going to be a bunch of goddamn communists selected up there anyways, do what you can up there. Show up to school board meetings and holler and send some money down here to Arizona where you can sway things. Because if one state gets it right, it gives a little wiggle room to other another state to try and get it right. The Republic is an amazing crucible of 50 experiments. The experiments on how the public, the body politic, deals with uh, abortion, the death penalty, criminal justice, criminal justice reform, deals with illegal immigrants, all the problems of society. The Republic is not supposed to be a homogenous, top-down, Washington-based think tank. The Republic is supposed to be a bunch of working class people with their sleeves rolled up with a certain amount of local intelligent people all grinding against each other to come up with little experimental solutions to our society's problems. And the other states get to look and see the successes and the failures in the little microcosm of our country. 
So we have to be involved. We have to get involved at the local and tiny level. We have to get involved in the granular level. We can't just vote on the president. Because if we've given up on schools and we've given up on elections and we've given up on our state attorney general and all we do is vote on the president, it's too late. It doesn't matter. We have to solve these problems and we have to give Californians a great solution that they can look to and emulate and change their minds. We have to give Illinoisans and New Yorkans, New Yorkers and mass holes. We got to give all those states an awesome thing to emulate. Anyways, that's the show I'm out.